Well, turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, and we've been, uh, over the past couple weeks, we've been spending some time considering various people who came to Jesus in faith, and uh, you might recall a couple weeks ago, we briefly uh, talked about the religious ruler of the synagogue, a man by the name of Jairus, and we just kind of, we kind of skipped by a little bit of Jairus, but he humbled himself. Here's a guy who was a religious leader, he humbles himself, and he comes to Jesus, and uh, he approaches him in faith, and you remember that story, Jesus had come out of the country of the Gadarenes, and he's back in Galilee, and Jairus is the first one to come to him. And uh, his daughter, as we know, she has either died or at the point of death, and he comes to Jesus. And uh, in the midst of that story, we looked at uh, the woman who had been suffering uh, physically, financially, socially, spiritually for 12 years. She had an issue of blood. She was hemorrhaging blood, and she had been to physicians, and uh, they had really done her no justice, and really she actually, her situation got worse, and uh, we know that her mind, you know, she was the one who touched, wanted to touch Jesus' garment, and, and it was in her mind that she said, if I could just get to Jesus, I'll be healed, amen? If you just get to Jesus, let me just tell you, it'll be all right. If you just get to Jesus, have enough faith to get to Jesus, and the reality is she believed that if she could get to Jesus, she would be made whole, and we know, as Paul Harvey would say from the rest of the story, she was. Last week, we looked at the story surrounding a father's desperate cry. A desperate cry for help on behalf of his son who had been afflicted with a demon. And, and the reality is, remember last week we were talking about that this man's faith had taken a little hit. You see, you remember the story. Jesus had gone up to the Mount of Transfiguration with uh, Peter, James, and John, and the other nine disciples are there, and the man brings his, his son, and, and Jesus isn't there. And so the other disciples try to, uh, to cast out the demon, the devil, and could not do it. And so his faith is a little shaken. And Jesus comes back down and fortifies the man's faith, strengthens his faith. And the reality is that... Uh, the man exercised a little faith. Remember, he said, Jesus said, if you have faith, all things are possible to him that believes. And the guy says, well, I have faith. But then he turns around and he says, but help my unbelief. He says, I need my faith to be strengthened. He says, my faith is taking a little hit. Well, today we're going to look at, uh, be introduced, if you please, to a woman who comes to Jesus in faith. She not only comes to him in faith, but she continues to persist. She continues to plead with him on behalf of her daughter who's in a miserable condition. And really, before we get into Matthew chapter 15, I think it's important for us to remember, as Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 and 2 remind us, is this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then look at verse 2, for by it, for by what? For by faith, for by faith the elders obtained a good report. So in other words, verse 2 tells us that all these Old Testament uh, saints, all these ones who are getting ready to be listed in, in this hall of fame of faith, so to speak, it wasn't because they were gifted. It wasn't because they were great. It was because of their faith that they're listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Oh yes, these, these Old Testament saints, they realized as Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6 tells us, they realized that without faith it was impossible to please God. You see, because the Bible says, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. In other words, you must believe that he is God and that he is actually the one who is able to reward you for diligently seeking him. Oh, isn't God good this morning? Oh, isn't God good? 
Oh man, we ought to be excited. Over the past two Sundays or so, really, we've looked at people who had some faith. We looked at some people who lacked faith. Have you, let me ask this question, a little poll here. Uh, we, we'll put it up on the news media later. Has anybody in this room ever lacked faith? You ever had a time when you say, you know what, I just lacked faith? I, I, would, I would guess all of us should be in that boat at some point. Our faith takes a hit. We've lacked faith. But we looked at one who had little faith last week. But today we're going to look at a woman. And wouldn't you know it's a woman? We're going to look at a woman who has great faith. What an amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. Look with me in Matthew chapter 15. And let's see what God has for us this morning. Verse 21 and following. What an amazing short passage of Scripture. The Bible says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, Great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reading of your word, God. We thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to learn from your word. And God, as we consider the opportunities or obstacles that sometimes get in our way, I pray that through it all we'll see Jesus high and lifted up. God, I pray that we'll not be pulled to the side, or pulled from the rear, but God, that we'll continue to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody worshiping with us online that has never trusted Christ, God, I pray that you would make that abundantly clear, that you would open up their heart, that you would open up the eyes of their understanding, that through the preaching of the Word and the wooing of the Holy Spirit, that they might come to faith in Christ today. Lord, I pray for the one who needs to be encouraged today. God, I pray for the one who has lacked a little faith, the one who's been struggling a little bit with their faith, God, that today they might be encouraged, but also that they might be challenged from this story of a woman with great faith. Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory, for you're the one that deserves it all in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen and amen. Well, if you look at our story again, if you look back in Matthew chapter 15, it's obvious from the highlights that this, this true story, this true story we have before us is of this woman with great faith. And what an incredible story because up until this point, this woman, I would assert, this woman had never seen or even experienced, if, if any at all, of Jesus' ministry. In fact, if we were to flip back to Matthew chapter 11, Scripture tells us that Jesus actually rebukes. He actually takes time to rebuke uh, uh, the people where he had spent much of his time. And the reality is, he says, he says, uh, he says uh, I need to rebuke you guys because, listen, 
had I, had I done what I've done here in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. In fact, look at uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 21. This is exactly what he says. He says, if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, he says, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And so from this one statement, see, I like to compare Scripture with Scripture, amen? And so from this one statement, we can actually deduce that Jesus had not spent much time, if any at all, in this region. He says, hey, if I'd have done what I've been doing in you over in Tyre and Sidon, there, there would have been some results. The people would have responded. And the reality is that where he had been, most of the people still had not repented or come to faith in Christ. And so, therefore, this woman may have never, ever seen Jesus, and most likely, she's like a lot of folks at this time. She only knows what she's been told. She only has a little bit of idea about Jesus. She has no claim to the Old Testament promises, as we'll see. But she's a woman of Canaan, is what we know. And do you know that she's one of only two people that our Lord ever commends for having great faith? She's only one of two people in all of Scripture that the Lord commends for having great faith. And, and I don't know about you, but my mind kind of thinks about when we, when we really think about it, if, if somebody was going to exercise great faith, shouldn't it have been the Pharisees and the scribes? I mean, these jokers, these are the ones that knew Scripture. They, had, they were, they were uh, religiously worshiping all the time. They were in service. They were having services. They were doing religion, so to speak. But they had no faith when it came to Jesus. They cast him aside. They were always questioning him. They were always doubting him. And then I think about the disciples. These guys are the ones who had a front row seat to Jesus' life, his teaching, and his miracle working ministry. And these guys, they walk with Jesus, they talk with Jesus, and they witness Jesus doing all these incredible things. And yet, on, at different times, at different times, Jesus actually rebukes them because they're unbelief. He says, guys, remember last week in the story, it's like, hey, they came to Jesus. They're like, why can't we cast out this demon? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. You didn't have faith. You didn't exercise faith. But this woman in our story, known only as a woman of Canaan, she has a great deal to say when it comes to this topic of faith's opportunity. And so let's look a little closer and see what makes her great. Notice number one, if you're a note taker, she seizes the opportunity to come and meet Jesus. She seizes that opportunity to come to Jesus. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And so at this point, what we know is that Jesus is under an enormous amount of pressure. And so he makes his way north out of Galilee, up along the coast of, of the Mediterranean, eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea, what we now know as the southern portion of Lebanon. And uh, he's, he's really trying to get away. And so to kind of put it into context where this area is, Tyre is located about 35 miles north of Sidon, uh, uh, north of Galilee rather, and Sidon's about 20 to 25 miles further beyond uh, Tyre. And so Jesus makes his way out into this area, and from Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 7 and verse number 24, what we know is that Jesus and his disciples, they're going into this region for one reason and one reason only. It's like that commercial, want to get away? They want to get away. They want to have some little peace and quiet. 
And so they head up into this region thinking that nobody will know them, nobody will approach them, nobody will bother them, and so they get ready to enter into a man's house. And what really gives this story greater depth is, like, you need to go back and forth from Matthew chapter 15 to Mark chapter 7, but what really gives this story really greater depth and context is the fact that in Mark 7, 26, this woman is recognized as a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. Now, in Northern Virginia, 2021, most people are like, so, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that this woman is a descendant of the Canaanites. And the reality is she's a Gentile, and the Jewish people would have hated her. You want to talk about racism, they would have hated this woman because she and her people were enemies of the Jewish people. And this is the only time that we know of in Scripture that Jesus actually visits this territory. So it's a pretty incredible thing that when Jesus actually makes his way here, this woman buys up the opportunity. She says, I'm going to go see Jesus. I have a need. Let me ask you a question. How many of you had needs? All of us have needs from time to time. Can I encourage you? There's one place to go. There's one place to go. When this world lets you down, and they will. When your family lets you down, and they will. When your friends let you down, and they will. Just go to Jesus, amen? Come on, somebody get excited. Say, say I'm, excited. I'm excited. Whether you're excited or not, just say it. Please. This woman, she takes advantage. Have you ever had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? Anybody? Say, well, I once got to meet Brooks Robinson. Some of you don't even know who Brooks Robinson is. I once got to meet, let me bring it a little closer. I once got to meet uh, Joe Theismann. All you Dallas Cowboy fans. Still wishing you could meet some Dallas Cowboy, whatever. Oh, I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity there was this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I thought there was a president that was going to speak at Battlefield years ago, and it turned out to be a fake. <laughs> turned out to be that Pastor Greg was just filling us with fake news. This woman, she takes advantage of a real once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. She takes advantage of the opportunity to come to Jesus. She has a need, and so she makes an effort in faith. She doesn't care how it looks. She doesn't care what else is going to be said. She believes in her heart that Jesus can help her daughter, and so she comes to Jesus. And I just put a big old question in my paper. What about us? Do we walk by faith anymore? See, because the longer I live, the more I feel like we're doing a lot of walking by sight. But the Bible reminds us that we need to walk by faith. Every day we're blessed with opportunities. Listen, if you're here this morning or you're watching online this morning and you're not a believer just yet, today is an opportunity to trust Christ as the Savior of your life. And every believer in this room ought to be praying that if there are unbelievers watching or there are unbelievers sitting next to you, you ought to be praying that they trust Christ today. Because it sure beats eternity's other option. 
For those who have a relationship with Christ, today and every day is an opportunity. An opportunity to actually be Jesus. An opportunity to actually share Jesus. An opportunity to serve and to support the work of Jesus. By the way, these lights don't pay for themselves. And so part of supporting the work of Jesus is actually supporting from a heart of giving to actually pay the bill. Oh, by the way, those pews didn't pay for themselves. I get so tired, everybody gets caught up on money. Listen, I didn't have any money when I came in the world and I won't have any money when I leave. Jesus gives it, gives it all to me. He's got control of it. I had to learn that lesson a long time ago. By the way, that's not even the message for today. Sorry. We have an opportunity to encourage one another. We have an opportunity. By the way, I'm blessed. I don't know about you. I'm blessed with the opportunity to bring my burdens to the Lord. I can cast my care on him. Why? Because I know that he cares for me. I don't know about anybody else, but I know this. He loves me and he cares for me. Everybody walking around these days. I go to the store. I see people walking down upset. Man, what do you got to be upset? If you got Jesus, you ought to be excited each and every day. Like, I don't lie. I don't feel good. I don't, I don't feel good either. But I know Jesus loves me. I know that it'll be okay with Jesus. This woman seizes her opportunity. And here's the really cool thing. She not only seizes her opportunity to come to Jesus, she doesn't let obstacles get in her way. How many times do we let obstacles stop us from doing what's right? Have you ever allowed obstacles to get in your way? Look at verse number 22. It says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed. Now remember, her presence is a reminder of Israel's disobedience. As a Phoenician, she's a descendant of the Canaanites. And if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and Deuteronomy chapter 20, Joshua and the children of Israel were commanded to utterly destroy the Canaanites. So her very, the very fact that she's breathing air would have been a reminder of their disobedience. You want to know something else that would have been an obstacle? The fact that I say she. She was a woman. In that day and age, women were second-class citizens. In that day and age, a woman from this area, she, she's a woman from a godless society. So the fact that she's coming to a, to a Jewish man requesting anything, let alone it being Jesus. If she approached any Jewish man or a man in that culture, coming would have been a big no-no as far as society, but she didn't care. You see, for her, faith was the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And so there were no obstacles that were going to get in her way. There were no obstacles that were going to de uh, derail her from getting to Jesus. And I just have to ask the question, what stops us? What hinders us? What hinders us from praying to Jesus? What stops us from seeing Jesus? What stops us from meeting with Jesus and worshiping Jesus and serving Jesus? And you can just keep filling in the blanks. What are the things that we allow to derail our journey of faith? The truth is that great faith overcomes every barrier because great faith is never based on anything I can do or that we can do. Great faith is based on what only God can do. And see, this woman, her, it wasn't that she came out and said, I'm here, woman of great faith. Look, I'm going to come trust Jesus. No. She comes to Jesus hoping, pleading, begging that he can help her as the story will reveal. 
And no matter what we're facing, can I just encourage you, no matter what you're facing, no matter what I'm facing, faith always finds a way to get to Jesus. Faith always finds a way to get to Jesus. The woman in our text was convinced that if she did nothing, if she does nothing, guess what? Things aren't going to change. That's the definition of insanity. Also, if you flip it, doing the same thing over and over, hoping for a different change, that's the definition of insanity. But she says, if I do nothing, nothing's going to change. This demon is going to grievously vex my daughter. My daughter's in miserable condition. And so guess what? I'm going to, by faith, come to Jesus. And so she believes that Jesus could. She believes that he would do something about her situation. And, and I put in my notes, that's exactly what great faith does. It stops deliberating, it stops hesitating, and it starts anticipating what only he can do. She seizes her opportunity. She doesn't let obstacles stop her. Number three, she's persistent. She keeps on, she, she, she keeps on uh, uh, pleading with Jesus. She's determined in her plea. She's determined that she's going to have an answer. Look at verse 22 again. And we're going to rip through a few verses really quickly here, but I want you to see it before we close. It says in verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. In other words, she's in miserable condition. And so the first thing we see is notice what she does. She cries unto him. And what does she say? She says, have what? Who needs a little mercy today? And it, say, I need mercy. Guess what? Then I would encourage you to show it to some other people. We're real great about asking God for grace and mercy. But I would encourage you to show other people mercy. Because... Last time I checked, no one in this room, not even my funny little wife, is perfect. She's close. <laughs> Linda. <laughs> She's close. She's close. I'm working on her, Linda. I'm working on her. She's close. <laughs> I'm in year 31 of the, of the whole ordeal working on it. <laughs> None of us are perfect. She says, oh, Lord, she says, she says, have mercy on me. She, by the way, she's not demanding anything. She doesn't come to Jesus and demand anything. She's actually coming and pleading with him. And she doesn't base her plea on merit. She's not like, hey, Lord, I'm perfect, so give me what I want. She comes to him and says, hey, have mercy on me. This is what I need. I can't do anything, but I need you to show me mercy. It's like that centurion. You remember the centurion? He comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. And uh, this is what he says in verse 8. He says, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof. You remember, he asked Jesus to come and heal his servant. And this woman, just like the, uh, the, uh, the centurion, she understands that she's really not worth anything. She understands her position in society. She understands it all, but she does the only thing that she knows to do and you know what here it is she eats a big old slice of humble pie can I tell you it's much easier to eat a slice of humble pie when you serve it to yourself have you ever been humbled I would assert that you don't ever exercise great faith until you exercise great humility you're never going to exercise. I'm never going to exercise great faith until we exercise great humility. This is what the woman does. 
She comes and she humbles herself and she cries unto the Lord and she begins with this humility and the reality is look at verse number 22 again because what I see is she says, O Lord, thou son of David. And so by saying, Lord, thou son of David, she's letting Jesus know that she actually believes, she actually understands his authority, she actually believes in his kingship as the Jewish Messiah. Now look at verse 22, or 23 rather, oddly enough, what does Jesus do? Look what it says. But he answered her, not a word. And us in our limited wisdom, you know what we typically say? How rude. I thought Jesus never sinned. There it is, pastor, I found it. Nothing else in scripture can be trusted because I found this one statement that Jesus didn't answer her a word. He's so rude. How could he be so rude? Can I tell you? In our wisdom, we might think he was being rude, but the reality is Jesus is just ten testing the tenacity of her faith. And sometimes he does the same thing with us. Have you ever been like, Lord, if you'll just do, fill in the blank, Lord, if you'll just do this, I'll do this, I'll serve you forever. And then, what'd you say, Lord? I don't have my hearing aids in today, Lord, so you have to speak louder. And we wonder why God's quiet sometimes. I think a big reason sometimes God's quiet is because, like James chapter 4 says, sometimes we ask amiss. We ask amiss that we can consume it upon our lust. We ask for things that are not according to God's will. We ask for things that are according to our desires, our wants. And so sometimes I think he does the same thing with us. He's quiet. Look at verse 23. It also goes on. It also shows us that the disciples, they immediately come to Jesus and they ask him. They ask him, they're like, send her away. They're like, Lord, get rid of her because she's evidently unrelenting. But here's what I know. Neither Jesus' silence nor the disciples' request stops her pursuit for mercy. What stops us in our pursuit for mercy? By the way, if you really do a study... The disciples essentially are telling Jesus, give her what she wants. Get her out of here. Give her what she wants. She's making a noise. Remember, we came up here to have a little peace and quiet. We're trying to come into the house. Just get rid of her. Just give her what she wants. Lord, get her. And so they're like wondering why he didn't say a word. They're saying, hey, send her away. Give her what she wants so that we can get back to being quiet. Because if she makes too much noise, then everybody's going to know we're here and it's going to be ruined. Look at verse 24. In verse 24 it says, But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Honestly, folks, Jesus is directing his comments to his disciples, but he actually knows that this woman is listening. His point is this. He's like, hold on a second. If she knows and she recognizes that I am the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, if she knows and recognizes my kingship, if she knows and recognizes that the Father has sent me to preach the gospel of the kingdom to the Jewish people first, then she's got to know that it's not right for me to deal with her. This is what he's saying. But look at her response. It's amazing because in verse number 25, then came she, what does she do? She worships him. And then what does she say? Probably one of the most powerful prayers I've ever seen in Scripture. You say it's not very long. 
Doesn't need to be long, but it's heartfelt. She says, Lord, she's worshiping him, and she says, Lord, help me. What a powerful, a short but powerful prayer. You see, great faith understands that we are weak and he is strong. Great faith knows that we truly, absolutely deserve nothing. And she says, Lord, please. Can you imagine her position? By the way, folks, I don't think she came to the Lord when it says, and she then worshiped him. I don't think she was like, Lord, I imagine she's on her face. I imagine this woman is on her face. I don't even imagine she looks at the Lord. I imagine she's got her head, she's prostrate before the Lord, and she is begging for his help. Folks, I got news for you. If you're in need of help today, that's what humility looks like. A lot of people always ask about the altar and stuff like that. Guess what? It's where we come to acknowledge His presence. You can acknowledge it right there in your pew. You can come to here. You can go into a closet and pray. You can do it anywhere. But the reality is when we humble ourselves before His presence, that prayer, Lord, please help me. What a powerful prayer. Oh, listen, great faith knows we deserve nothing, but it keeps on worshiping. It keeps on asking. It keeps on seeking. It keeps on knocking. Believing that in Jesus' perfect timing, he will hear and answer. I like what in the Old Testament it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number 11. The Bible says, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. In other words, great faith in the Lord realizes that no matter what the temporary outcomes may be, we ultimately succeed as we continue, continue, continue to seek him. Look at verse 26, as this persistent mother is worshiping Jesus, notice what he says, and this is where it really gets, a lot of people say, oh my goodness, I got him again. Not only did he not answer, but look at verse number 26, what he says. It says, and he answered and said, it is not meek to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Are you kidding? Did Jesus just call this woman a dog? I mean, how rude. I mean, that's sinful. I've got him dead to rights right here, but no, that's not what he's saying again. That's why we have to do a further study. Again, her persistence and worship are not yielding her the results she wants, and so she keeps on worshiping, and in the midst of her worship, she says, Lord, help me, and then even though she begs for help, here's what Jesus says. He says, listen, he says, it's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And so, in other words, here's the thought. Lady, since you know and believe and recognize me as the Messiah, since you know I'm king, then you know it's not appropriate for me to take what rightfully belongs to the Jewish children. What God has sent me to do right now is to minister to the Jewish people, and you're not a Jew, and you know there's war between your people and you, the, uh, the Jews and you. And he says, so really, are you serious? You want a Jewish man to give you something? Because guess what? Then you're going to have to go back to your people and you're going to tell them that a Jewish man took care of this. Are you willing to do that? So he's bringing again this divide between her being a Greek, a Gentile, and a Jewish person. He's showing the divide that exists at this time and in this culture. And again, her response is remarkable. Look at verse number 27 because the woman says, truth, Lord. She doesn't say you're being rude to me. She doesn't have a problem with what he says. She says, truth, Lord, yet dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. What a powerful, remarkable statement she says. The reality is that this woman is saying, Lord, yes, Lord, it's true. 
It's true. My family and I are hated. We are hated. We are despised by the Jewish people. It's true. Lord, it's also true. I believe that you're the long-awaited Messiah. That's true. Lord, yes, I'm a pagan. Yes, I'm unworthy. Yes, they refer to me and my people as dogs. But Lord, I'm not trying to distract you from your mission. I'm not trying to take away the best portion of what you have for the Jewish people. Lord, I'm just asking you for help. I'm just asking you for a little crumb. She says, all I need is a crumb. I don't want the best portion. I just want what falls off the table in their carelessness. I just want that crumb. It's enough for me. And my question to us today, would a crumb be enough for you? Is a crumb enough? Because for this woman, a crumb was all she needed. She said, Lord, I'm pleading with you now. I'm asking you to use your almighty power right now to heal the despised daughter of a despised woman who's kneeled before you right now. She says, my daughter's despised. My daughter's part of the family. She's unworthy. My daughter's a pagan. I get it. My daughter comes from a society who have been referred to as dogs. I get it, Lord. But it's okay with me if you'll just let me have a little crumb. That's all I need. In his exposition of the Holy Scriptures, it was Alexander McLaren who said this. He said, by admitting that she was a dog and pleading her claim on that footing, she knows that she was a child. And therefore, and therefore because she has shown herself one of the true household in the fixedness of her faith, in the meekness of her humility, in the persistence of her prayers, Christ joyfully recognizes that here is a case in which he may pass the line of the ordinary limitation and that in doing so he does not exceed his commission from the Father. And then he says these words, he says, such faith is entitled to the fullest share of the gift. And the reality is, in the end, she's rewarded. She's rewarded. She's determined, but in the end, she's rewarded by the Lord Himself. Look at verse 28. The Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The woman seized her opportunity. She didn't allow obstacles to get in her way. She's determined. She's like, I got to have a crumb. If all I can have is a crumb, then it's okay with me. She's determined in her pleas. She keeps going. She will not stop. The disciples say, send her away. And then she starts worshiping Jesus. She just keeps on going. She keeps on plodding away. She keeps on begging for mercy. She keeps on praying for help. And in the end, she's rewarded by the Lord himself. Oh, yes. In fact, as you kind of alluded to it coming out of that last song, is Jesus enough? Is He really enough for you? Because on this day, recorded in Scripture, forever and ever, is the story of this woman who in her heart said, a crumb, a crumb is all that I need. What about us? What is it that you need today? What are you faced with? What are you struggling with? Your faith is taking a hit. I get it. We're living in crazy times. But can I tell you that if you'll just buy up the opportunities that God puts in your path each and every day, if you'll just get away and push back on the obstacles. Listen, life's full of obstacles. I got news for you. Life's full of obstacles. 
you're going to wake up some days and your body will not feel good. Anybody today? Join with me because I'm raising my hand. I don't know what I've done, but my knee won't respond the way I want it to. And no matter how much I holler at it and say, bad knee, do right, do right. It's trying to pretend like it needs help today. Maybe it does need help. But you know what? When I got up this morning and I could barely stand on that leg, I knew that it was a great day, even though I didn't feel good. Why is it a great day? Because I was here, I was breathing. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain, what an opportunity I have to come. And today I got to talk to college and career age, young adults, young marrieds and, and folks in Sunday school, and I talked to them about the heart of giving to the Lord, not just out of a pocketbook, but giving ourselves to the Lord. Oh man, that's exciting we get to do that. I get to talk to you guys about a woman who for her, a crumb was all she needed. That's all she was asking for. And based on that one crumb, Jesus said, hey, guess what? Be it unto you. He said, man, you got some great faith. Can you imagine? We read it. We read it sometimes in a boring manner. I wonder if Jesus was like, whoa. You guys, don't ask him that when you get to heaven. <laughs> uh, Jesus, I was wondering, did you, when the woman with great faith came to you, were you like, what? Did you do that? No. Can you imagine how much it penetrated his heart to see a woman, a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, a woman who was despised, a woman who was hated, a woman who had no business being where she was, a woman who had no business talking to him as a Jewish man, a woman who had no right to approach him, and yet this woman was determined. She said, I got to get to Jesus. My daughter is grievously vexed. I'm a mother who cares about my daughter, and guess what? I got to get to Jesus because he's the only one. I've heard about him. I, 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 I've, I've been told what he can do. I, I've heard that he's the Messiah, and less, I've heard that he's in our area. And so guess what? How does she know that he's up in the area? They're trying to get away to have a little quiet. She goes to him. I believe the reason she goes to him is what we find in Hebrews 11.6. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe, number one, that he is God, and number two, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So this woman somehow understands that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so she is not going to take no for an answer. She is not going to be shunned. She is not going to be cast aside by the disciples or told to leave. She is persistent in her pursuit. And in the, re in the end, Jesus rewards her. In the reality of life, you and I, we will either choose today, today, and tomorrow, and the next day. You'll either choose opportunity or you'll choose obstacle. We do it every day. I can't. Why can't you? Well, let me give you 20 reasons why I can't serve Jesus. That's called an excuse or a whole list of excuses. The reality is we have an opportunity each and every day to say in our heart, this 
is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I pray you'll buy up those opportunities every day. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy in revealing just a couple of simple thoughts from this story, this woman, this woman who would not be detoured, this woman who chose opportunity over obstacle, this woman who exercised great faith in your presence. And her great faith was pleasing enough to you that you rewarded her faith. God, I pray that we would be pleasing to you, that our thoughts would please you, that our words would please you, that our actions would please you. God, that we would buy up the opportunities to be Jesus to the world, to share Jesus with the world. We'd buy up the opportunities to serve in the local New Testament church. We'd buy up the opportunities to support your work. God, that we would buy up the opportunities that you give us right now to come before your throne of grace and mercy to find help in our time of need. God, that we would buy up the opportunity if, the, if we're here and we've never trusted Christ, that we would buy up the opportunity to know that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us and that we would trust Christ for the forgiveness of sin and for life everlasting. God, what a beautiful, what a beautiful picture of your love by testing this woman's faith to see how serious she really was. God, sometimes you test our faith to see how serious and how faithful we really are. Lord, I pray that we'll measure up in those instances when we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death, that we'll be reminded that you are with us and that your rod and your staff, that they comfort us. I will be reminded that you are the great shepherd of our souls. God, that we can do all things, all things according to your will, through your strength and through your power. God, we can do these things. God, I pray for your church here at Battlefield. God, I pray for those that are watching. God, I pray that God-honoring decisions will be made in this next few moments of time. Maybe there's someone here that needs to trust Christ. I pray that they'll have the boldness to step out and do that. That they'll have the boldness to say, you know what, I, I trust Jesus. Jesus is the Savior of my life. Maybe there's someone here who's looking for a good church home. I don't know what their situation is. Maybe there's some who are struggling today. In this story of a broken woman who has great faith, is an encouragement, but also a challenge to them. God, whatever the need is, God, I pray that you'll speak to hearts and lives as you have already done. God, that you'll do it during this time of invitation. We'll be careful to give you the praise for what you'll do. And we pray this in the mighty and the most powerful name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.